Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics who are finally back in action, John. A 94-82 win at home was great to hear Mike and Tommy back in studio or back courtside and really got to see just about every single player on this roster grab some minutes, show their stuff, Definitely some surprises, couple of, I don't want to say letdowns, but looking for a little bit more from a, from a couple of players. The surprises were really cool. Good to see Marcus Smart after, I know, maybe some practice clips and we've heard he lost some weight. Really noticeable out on the court. Marcus was, made his presence known. It, he did not care it was exhibition. He didn't care it wasn't the playoffs. He was Marcus Smart being Marcus Smart, you know. That's what he does what Marcus does. Uh scrapping for balls, uh, you know, looking felt out there, uh boxing out Dwight Howard. I mean, it was I mean, certainly all the attention is going to go to to the new guys. Baines playing well and 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 Tice obviously, but to me, Marcus Smart, what we saw was just a continuation of his evolution as a player. Uh, hitting three out of six threes. Um, that looked great. The, three for to seven. me, the biggest three for three seven. For seven. I'm just going to correct yeah, but, that. And I'm going to say, you. yeah, absolutely. And I will say one other thing. Just a few weeks ago, we were saying, all right, so he dropped all this weight. Don't think we're going to see him boxing out any fives anytime soon. Yeah. And then here we are with a good old fashioned type center in the NBA, Dwight Howard. So there you go. I, they don't get much bigger than Dwight Howard in today's league. And yeah, now I, I look. He's he's still the same Marcus Smart. There's no question. I, there was no question that he wasn't going to be able to stand up for the the punishment. It's it's about will and desire and combat muscles, and he has it all. It's the the thing that was impressive to me. The thing that stood out to me about Marcus. There was a play at the end of the first half. Um, he got switched out on a guy, and he took it to the rack. He went all the way to the cup. Uh, he got fouled. No call. We got all the way through, got to the rack, should have been on the line. Instead, it turns up, ends up being a, a three pointer by Kemba. But to me, that was the biggest thing. Him putting it on the floor and getting past his defender, which is something we couldn't see. And, and that's, that to me is, is the biggest thing. If he can, if he can add that to his game so he can get to the cup as well as, you know, start shooting a little bit better from behind the arc. And, and I believe, um, of those three pointers, uh, two of those threes were above the break. So that's the area where he was really looking at trying to improve. I thought it was a great night for Marcus Smart, and I think it's a good sign going forward for this season. Yeah, it's that lateral quickness that he gets from dropping the weight. It's not that he didn't have the first step, but he couldn't really weave through or by defenders, and that, that weight yep. loss gives him that shiftiness so that like you said, he can get there and finish at the rim. Jalen Brown gets the start, maybe a telltale sign of what's to come, certainly what I expected heading into the season. And we do have to not only talk about Jalen's dunks, but I think the things <laughs> of that – Of course. Of course we will have to talk about <laughs> Fill that. Fill in the blank. Justin's going to talk about Jalen Brown. Here we go. Jalen Brown. <laughs> so all I'm going to say is yeah. Jalen, not just the dunks – but really the passing, 
I thought the court awareness, and I think that's why he's got a shot at sticking with those starters. Although, Shane Larkin, really nice third quarter once he came in, a bright spot, helped get him and Tice on a roll. There's a chance that Marcus Smart, as we talked about, could get into that starting lineup. Felt like there was a possibility of it, but the problem with the team was not having somebody who could direct the offense on the second unit. But if Shane Larkin continues to do what we saw as a bright spot in the third quarter, not quite as good in the fourth, but different mix of players out there by that time, I think if we can get out of him what we did in the third quarter on any kind of consistent basis, you might see Marcus spend a little bit more time with that starting unit. I think you're right. I, I don't think that Jalen Brown's foot, you know, hold on that starting spot is, is completely certain. I think anything could happen with any of the other, the two spots outside of the, I, you know, Irving, uh, Gordon Hayward, Horford spots. I think those other two are complete wild cards. I think that, you know, Baines certainly had a hell of a game tonight. I thought Jalen played well too. I agree with you. I think he, he, he looked like he was he was trying to fit in a little bit better, right? It seemed like he was kind of um not forcing it, which was right. Tatum exactly. was forcing it for about three quarters before he lit up the fourth yeah. quarter. He was phenomenal in the fourth quarter, but he reminded me so much of what Jalen Brown was last year through the first three. I'm not sure he gets hung up quite as long as Jalen did. I think he's a little more polished of an offensive player, but to see Jalen come in and really just try to do more than shoot or get to the free throw line, which he still did well, still hit the dunks, still looked for the corner three, all of those parts of his game was there. I just thought his passing was so much smoother and came in the natural flow of the game and was the correct pass. And if he can do that with the starters, given so much offense is already out there, if he can at least be on par defensively with Smart, there's a really good chance that Brown could stick in that starting lineup. But I'm not going to say it's a foregone conclusion. We haven't to date, and I still won't, just because that little bright spot from Shane Larkin says that guy is a vet in terms of how he runs the offense. I think the second unit could totally handle him at the helm. And then Tice is another one. I don't mean to just bounce around on all these different players, and I know we'll lock in on a few here and there, but I think Tice deserves his due for this game because shot the three ball, did the did what we wanted to see Kelly Olynyk do so much more last year, which is the given, you know, the the up fake and go, and then also getting some rebounds, playing some defense, running the pick and roll, really showed all aspects of what he's capable of doing there. And even though he's technically a rookie in the league, he's about what twenty five, and he's got a veteran presence out there. He could be a really given the the lack of big men. On this roster, and I know we didn't get to see Morris yet because of the court date and all of that, but I still think that Tice may be, regardless of what happens with Morris and how long, et cetera, or if at all missing any time, I think Tice has got a real good shot at getting some significant minutes on this roster. Yeah, it'll be at the end. But given the position of play, the, the fact that it's a position of need, and he seems to be able to – I mean – for his role at the level that he's at on the bench, he can kind of do things at three levels. Yeah, he can. You're right. I mean, he can he can score everywhere. Um, and look, he's he is you know the 
the the pass after the pass. I mean, he's not the guy you're going to run your offense through, but he's he's somebody who can be a threat out there at least. And I think if if nothing else, if he can kind of fill that, I, I'm I don't look at the Kelly Linux side. I look at more of the Jonas Jerebko. You know, the kind of Kelly. There was parts where you needed you you know you were you needed him to do what he did. Jonas, it was always bonus Jonas, right? It's always extra, you know? And I feel like Tice is kind of that way. Defensively, maybe you need that, you know, there's more of a reliance on what he can provide. But certainly offensively, it seems like it's all extra. And I thought he showed not only that feel that, that as you said, as a veteran, that, that veteran savvy that you get playing EuroLeague ball for all these years, but he, he really fit in really nicely with some of these rooks. And I think one thing we've got to also remember is, You've got Larkin and Tice, guys that have been around the block a little bit. They've understand how this game works. Um, you know, this is a team with Ojale and Yabuselli and Tatum and Jabari Bird. And, you know, these guys, I'll give even Nader, put him in kind of the older category. Those other four guys, this is the first exhibition game they've played. This is the first NBA anything other than summer league these guys have done. So, it, it really, the bar is high and you gotta think the veterans are gonna look that much better than the rookies are gonna look on a night like tonight. Maybe the rookies star, maybe they don't. But to me, like a night like tonight, this is probably as bad as the rookies are gonna look consistently for some time. Cause they're just, they're on the upward climb and they should be as, as younger players. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that for sure. But first, follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. You can follow John at CSL underscore Duke. And there are a couple of Dukies on this roster. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Don't forget to download the app. CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. You just search CLNS Media in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel, youtube.com, CLNS slash CLNS Media for high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report with Nick Gelso, Jimmy Toscano, Jared Weiss, et al, Trags, uh, just so many people contributing to the garden report. I know I'm forgetting one, but great content there. The round table we love. And on the media app, you obviously can find Celtic stuff live. You can find, uh, the, uh, the round table and all the great content as well as Larry H. Russell's Celtic speed. So John, let's talk about those rookies a little bit because I think I was a little down on Yabaselli and Ojale. Now Nader kind of had that Paul Pierce-like shiftiness getting to the rim a couple of times, the way he found his way. It was nice to see him. I don't think he's going to get minutes ahead of Tatum or, or Brown by any means, but it seemed like he was ready to play some. So Ojale and 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 Yabaselli kind of get a, a C-plus for me in this game. Yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair, you know, mark. I mean, look, they didn't do anything outstanding. I thought I would I would say probably Yabaselli maybe a little bit higher than Ojale. I thought he showed some real fight on the offensive boards and the defensive glass for that matter. Defensively though, I thought Ojale was a step ahead, and Yabu not so much. So yeah, I see plus that seems fair. Well, um, and Ojale had that really nice down court pass. You know, he got out ahead yeah. of the break on that one. So yep. certainly some heads up play. I think you're right. They're going to improve. Because this is their first go around. They haven't even really had the benefit of a couple of summer leagues like somebody like Nader has. 
That's right. Exactly. I think that's exactly right. Nader's 24. You know, you got to look. Ojale's 22. I think Yabu's 21. I mean, these guys are they're two years makes a big difference. And Nader playing four years of college uh, college basketball and going overseas, playing uh, you know over in uh, China, and, and then getting some time with the, with the Red Claws. That that's not a lot. Nader has had a, a bit more of a of a chance to grow his game, and so he's he's that much further ahead. But that's okay. I you know look, we're not looking for where these guys are today. It's this is a long growth. This isn't even at the end of the season, really. You know we're looking at we want to be contenders, but this is a roster that's not built for May or June. This is a team that's built for May or June, twenty nineteen, twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. So we can't sit here and say, well, you know, they're not ready to play right now. We got a long way to go just for this season. Never mind really where we need those guys, which is really in the years to come. Yeah, as we kind of work our way back to that starting lineup, let's hit up Terry Rozier because as we were discussing whether or not somebody could uh, take the reins of that second unit, if not Marcus Smart. We didn't throw Terry's name out there, although I thought he played very well in this game. He's still an off-the-ball kind of guy. Not that he can't handle it. I just don't think he can direct the offense for substantial minutes with that second unit. Still doesn't look that way to me. But a great scorer, great defender, had that nice steal, went all the way and finished it. I'm liking. I'm liking his play. Just not as a point guard. He's definitely an off guard. Yeah, you know, and I think that you need guys who can make good decisions with the ball, and he's just not that guy right now. And that's why you got Marcus. Marcus can do that. Marcus, Marcus can facilitate. You know, we talked a lot about it in the summer about high integrates and maybe keep Horford on the floor when Scary Terry's out there or, you know, maybe more, you know, more Hayward. You know, I mean, I think the more playmakers that are out there, Terry Rozier is the type of guy, and I think we're going to find this with this roster, as the the core three, I'm not yet really ready to call them the big three, the core three, the core troika, uh, as they kind of solidify. Isn't it time for a new nickname anyway, though? It is. We tried this with Ray and Paul and KG, and you and I discussed it at length. Hey, wait. There's already been a big three. We can't do the big three again. We've got to come up with something else. But guess what? It failed. We literally, nobody, and I say we like you and I owned it. No, we all, meaning CSN, everybody, the media, was all saying, what are we going to call them? And I think it was Mark Spears on one of our shows that said, let's just call them the big three, man. And and he just, he laid it out there. And it, I think at that point, probably Mike and Tommy had a little bit to do with it too. But nobody came up with a better nickname, so we recycled the big three. Are we really going to have a triple recycling of the big three? I like the core Troika, but it doesn't roll off the tongue the way a new nickname should. And and maybe they really need a fourth, right? And we tried to do that, too, with Rondo. We tried to throw in the fourth and come up with a cute nickname, but that didn't work either. So maybe we'll just suffer the same defeat and come back to the big three on this one. But I'm with you. Let's Let's give this a little bit more time to come up with a new nickname for the uh, championship-caliber roster that's coming together now. This is the big three right here, okay? Can we get can we get a good shot of these guys? Right, This is the big three. Thank you, starting lineup. That's the big three, <laughs> all right? Now, the other guys, Pierce, Garnett, Ray, they're good. There's three of them. They won a championship. I love them. 
But these guys, these guys right here, big three, okay? So here's the thing, and I, I'm totally with you. A fourth, core four, you know, I mean, I, who knows? But I think I think you're right. Big three's that's past, okay? It's a new era. Four core and I, it's, it's seven years ago. I, four I core, there we go. Yes. The Lincolns. I don't know. I mean, look, we need something the better. Lincolns. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's just bizarre. All I'm saying, I think you're absolutely right. We need a new nickname, and these guys need to establish an identity of who they are as players. I mean, even tonight, they're passing, they're passing, they're passing, overpassing. You know, they need to establish that. Kyrie has, I mean, look, he's special. I mean, it's just, you can just see in, in the limited time he was out there tonight. The, the confidence. Whoa. It is oh all in oh the confidence. He's undaunted. It's amazing. I mean, if he could go on whatever that stupid ESPN show is, I've already forgotten the name of, and and deal with all of those BS questions from Stephen oh. A. and 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 Smacks, um, then the, you know the guy's going to be all right. And he yeah. he is. He's undaunted, and he's clearly ready for the big show. I, He's, yeah, he's ready for the big show. And it's in, I think the personalities, we, we've heard a lot of training camp this week about how Kyrie is, is being much more vocal. He's really trying to, you know, kind of be the leader, both verbally on the court and, and, and as he plays. I mean, I think that's a great thing because I don't think that that vocal leader is, is what Al Horford is. And I don't think that's what Gordon Hayward is, but I think they'll lead in their own way. And I think that, you he's know, that's the really other thing that Brad's engaged talking on the about. bench too. Sure. I mean, Kyrie yeah. is like really, if you notice, there's a lot of laughter and camaraderie be, between him and Brown. I don't know how many times they went to the sideline. Of shot. course you're looking at Brown. It's right? coming That's to Brown. No, but I'm just saying, <laughs> those two are totally sure. chumming it up and laughing all the time on the sidelines. It's really, it's good to see. I mean, he's, but he's out there with all those players and that's what it takes to be a leader. Not that you always have to be smiling and have your head up and be eternally optimistic when things are going bad, but you know, this is the first preseason game. So of course that's the way it's going to play out, but I just mean engaging. He's engaging yeah. his teammates. And so, you know, I don't know what he's saying when he's engaging them and I don't know how they feel about him and I don't know what it looks like in practice. And sure, there's a lot of unknowns. But he's seen one of the, you know, one of the greatest play this game, work the locker room. And I think it's important that he says, okay, it's just like we all were when we were growing up. There's some things we take from our dad that we're like, yep, that's the way I want to be. And then there's other things we say, I'm not going to do that. And I'm sure Kyrie has seen both of those and been impacted by it with LeBron. And he's taken some of the good. He's hopefully shedding some of the bad, and then he's still going to be a human, and he's going to make his own mistakes. But I really see him engaging the team, and I think that's really crucial if you're going to be in a leadership role, especially for a you know a franchise that is really pounding this culture down everybody's throats and had an enormous amount of success with it. I guess you don't pound culture down people's throats, but you get my drift. It's 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 a big part of what they're trying to build. And I think he's fitting into it just fine. I think he is, and I think it also builds off of what Brad Stevens is in saying: no, no cap, not having captains. I think what he's trying to do is take some of that pressure that Kyrie is putting on, on himself and say, "Look, this isn't just about Kyrie." Um, one could argue maybe that Brad is doing this 
and result of what he's seen and maybe Kyrie pushing it too much. I don't think that's the case. I think what, what Brad's doing is saying, look, there's a lot of leaders. You know, Al Horford is a leader. If I don't name him captain and I name Kyrie captain, does that mean Al Horford takes a back seat? No. I need Al Horford to be a leader. I need Jason Tatum to be a, a leader of, of sorts. I need Jalen Brown to be the, the union rep and be a leader amongst the young players. I mean, I think everyone finds a leadership in their own capacity. Certainly Marcus Smart as a leader in, in terms of his grit and desire and needing to push that, that, inf- that passion into the game. Everyone finds their space, and I think that's what's great about it. And I think that's what that Kyrie perhaps is, you know, in danger of is that you know maybe he tries too much. But I don't think that's the case. I think he's seen, as you said, he's seen the pitfalls. He's seen what can happen when when perhaps you go too far. And there was some stuff that came out this week about uh, they found this board of, of what what was on the the Cleveland chalkboard or, or whiteboard before one of the last games. It was like you know, get the hell out of LeBron's way. And, you know, stuff like this that was, like, really demeaning the rest of the team. I don't know if it was true. Maybe it was uh, made whatever. up. I don't we, know. What we do but know is that that speaks volumes to Kyrie Irving and our suspicion that Tyron Liu might have been the issue there, just not being able to totally. command the locker room, et cetera. So as we head to our first or the only break, uh, I will say we haven't spent any time talking about Gordon Hayward or Al Horford. That's what we're going to hit up when we come back. First, I'm going to tell you about FanDuel. Fantasy football fans, the wait is over. Football is back. The Patriots aren't fully back, though. Two and two. Ouch. But FanDuel is back with fantasy football for everyday fans. New contests begin every week. No busted seasons and with something for everyone and lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just $1, you simply pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. I'll tell you in our Celtics Stuff Live League, I think I told you this last week, John, I've been at the bottom of the barrel, but I actually made it actually for a little while. Till about, well, until the Sunday night game, I was in the money bracket for a little bit. I was going to get $2. So I was, I'm on the upward mobility plan right now. I did fall out of the money thanks to Sunday night football and some other people, but at least I scored over a hundred points for the first week. It is fun having 250 of our listeners joining and signing up into our league every single week. I'm having fun, and I am going to get some money before it's all said and done. But over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, so sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our code CSL17. Try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using promo code CSL17. That's FanDuel.com, promo code CSL17, void where prohibited. All right, John, so we're back, and I definitely want to talk about Al Horford mostly because we were just having this whole conversation about leadership, and we know from last season he's really more of that quiet leader, lead by example, do everything on the floor, sacrifice for the team. But I actually think this year's roster is even more conducive to that. We could discuss whether or not Gordon Hayward is a big part of it or not, but in tonight or in last night's game, Al Horford, 7.6 rebounds, 4 assists. Mr. Do-A-Little-of-Everything was back at it, 
And I know a lot of people want to be worried about his age, but I think in the way that he plays on this team with this role, now he's really the third banana instead of being asked to be the second banana and a, you know, sort of crunch time scorer, which it's really, yeah, he can hit that three and, and he can definitely get a rebound and get some, get, you know, get a back to the basket points here and there. He's still, that's really not his role. I actually think the kid's the kid. I think the man has longevity with the way he plays, and especially on this roster. Again, if he's the third banana, I'm not so worried about the length of his contract, and he really does make things go so much smoother on offense. He facilitates so much. I think the big, I think you're absolutely right. I think this, this is, in a way, this is a year that could be even better for him. On the one hand, the shooting probably isn't quite there like it was last year. You don't have as many guys who can shoot. Um, but I think there's more players who can do something with the ball in their hands. And so you see a lot more cutting. I mean, this looks like Princeton and part of the game tonight. I mean, there's back cuts and back cuts and back cuts. I mean, they were, it, it honestly, I thought Pete Carrill was back out there. The quickness uh, and athleticism. Awesome. And I remember oh. Pete Carrill and that was a ton of fun. Man, that was a good year. Yeah, they were good. That's they were when Avery to... Bradley and Rondo were working magic against D Wade. Remember? That's, yes. that, I mean, that's when that was all happening. That was so was much great. fun. I mean, and that's, so if you have him picking, picking things out from the high post, I mean, that's, that's fantastic, right? You're going to, you've got him and you've got all, not only do you have, you have the speed and athleticism, you also have length. You know, you have average to above average height at almost every position aside from center and power forward. So yeah, you got a six three, you know, uh, point guard, a six seven shooting guard, six eight, six nine, um, small forward. We haven't had above average size in the backcourt or, or on the wings in a long time, probably since Pearson Garnett were here. So this is actually an opportunity where you know not only can he pick the guys out and they can finish at the rim. But also, even, hold on. Even game. when Pierce and Garnett were here, we were still small. Rondo isn't exactly the tallest point guard, and Avery Bradley was an undersized shooting guard. And I realize it wasn't the Isaiah Thomas scenario, but Isaiah was quite a prolific scorer, minimized some of that. Rondo was a decent defender for a while, but honestly, they weren't even really that long then. It's been a very long time since this team had this kind of length and quickness. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I you're right. That's true. I think that the point, though, you know, to to that end is that is that that extends not just in the half court. I think that extends the full court. And one thing they were really the team wasn't very good at last year was transition. They could not finish in the transition game. They were one of the worst teams in scoring on the fast break. I don't think that's going to be a problem this year. When you have guys like Tatum and Brown and and Ojale and Yavaselli and you know Hort, you know Hayward, I mean. Not to mention Kyrie Irving, these guys running down the floor, coming at the the rim. The options are endless, and not to mention the kickouts for the corner threes and so forth. I just think in that way they're going to be much more explosive. So they may not shoot as high of a percentage as a team in terms of you know Horford trying to picking those guys out. But I think as they play more, there'll be spots and there'll be cuts, there'll be little wrinkles in the defense um, that they'll be able to find and, and get their easy buckets. Thanks to Al Horford. 
So the starting lineup really wasn't that much of a surprise, right? We kind of had Brown slotted, and even though we said earlier that definitely could be an upset, another non-real surprise for me was Aaron Baines in the starting lineup. Now, Morris's absence could be impacting that to some degree. We might see that switch up, and Brad said he'll kind of play the matchups throughout the season, and rightfully so. But let's talk about Baines, because had Tice not come in and, and really whooped it down the stretch or Nader who tied Baines with 10 points on the game really those three players the only ones with double digit scoring but Baines did it in the starting lineup and I know Tice got some against the Charlotte Hornets starting lineup in the third quarter but he also got a lot in garbage time in the fourth Baines surprisingly mobile for you is this a guy that you think plays the Amir Johnson role but maybe even a little bit better and sticks in that starting lineup or do you think Brad sticks true to his word and and we see sort of a a rotating starting lineup with maybe three or four core players every game but maybe that Morris slash Baines you know Horford going to the five maybe Maybe uh, maybe they rotate Brown and Smart comes in and Brown moves into that power forward scenario. Like there's a lot of tinkering that they could do, but something tells me, just like I said in the off season, that Baines is the guy that Stevens rolls with. Maybe even for the first 20 games of the season in that starting lineup. I think that's probably the way that it will go. I think Baines, I mean, he, he looked great tonight. I, I think we got to talk about matchup though, before I kind of go down that road to say the Charlotte Hornets are the perfect, the absolute perfect team to face in the exhibition season for where the Celtics are. It's a veteran team. It's well coached. They are rather cohesive. There's a lot of, there hasn't been as much turnover with that roster over the last couple of years. So this is a great test. And they're a very, you know, defensive focused team. So it's a great test to throw, you know, this team with a lot of talent, but not any chemistry to speak of and say, see what you can figure out. They still pulled out the win. And Charlotte also played a lot more of their, I'd say their better players, probably well in the third and, and even early fourth. I mean, their second unit really was, was in large part uh, the, the team that kind of ran most of that game. So I was very, I thought, the Celtics, I expected them to really fall apart in the second half with so many rookies and so many new players making up that roster or the the, the group on the floor, I should say, in the second half. Didn't happen. The, the, the Hornets, they were good, but the Celtics found their opportunities, and Tice was a big part of that. But going back to Baines just real quick, I think that he, um, against Dwight Howard, you're gonna. I think in those situations where they're going against two bigs or two giant bigs like that, He's not going to hesitate at all to throw Baines in there. Um, Baines showed a lot, I think, in, in terms of his scoring. You know, that kind of eight to ten feet, um, or six to eight, six to ten feet area where you know just a quick dish or quick this, and and you put a quick shot up. I thought he did great in that area. I thought his passing was good. Great screen setter, hitting the boards, um, being a big body in there. I thought it was it was really valuable to have there. I'd love to have a second big guy to throw at it, but Tice was so good. Maybe all you need is is Baines and and just roll with that. Yeah, they have that roster spot that they could still fill if they really wanted to. But I just think that mobility that we saw from Baines and his ability to 
to your point, just sort of what we saw from Brown, but obviously with that more veterans, even more veteran savvy and at a different position, but his ability to play within the offense and facilitate, you know, Amir Johnson was a liability on offense. I don't feel like Aaron Baines is a liability on offense, and I even think he might be mobile enough for Brad to stick with him. Now, will he finish games? I don't think so. I think it's unlikely. I think they would rather have, and again, he shot pretty well, but I think they would rather have an extra shooter to really space the floor out for Kyrie Irving down the stretch. And even if it was bring in a Marcus Smart who doesn't do that offensively, I think they were looking for different things defensively at the end of games as well. And we know what a closer Marcus is. So does he finish games? Probably not. Does Al Horford prefer to play the four? Sure he does. And does Brad prefer to have a more traditional lineup to get out um, at the beginning of the first quarter. Yeah, he does. Those are the tendencies. And if they work, he's going to stick with them. But I also think Baines is, again, much less of a liability on offense than Amir Johnson, despite Amir's notorious improvement beyond the arc last season. <laughs> that wind-up that took 45 minutes for him to get the shot. But back, they back, but back, they back, gave back, him back, back, five back. minutes more than he needed. It was just yeah. crazy. Like, yeah, no, we don't respect that. We <laughs> he, do not respect respect that in our but he house. shot a good percentage it was crazy I mean, you're right. it was it was, insane. but i think the question will be um when morris comes back is there enough space like i felt like it was there wasn't a lot of room so partly is that charlotte just having good defensive principles and being able to sink in and collapse on the paint because there wasn't other than those 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 cuts, there wasn't a lot of room against Charlotte to really get to the bucket. They they did a good job collapsing in there and and preventing. They're a good defensive club. If you put Morris in there instead of Baines, does that pull that extra big away from the hoop and give you that more you know a little bit more space so guys like Hayward and and Irving have more room to get to the cup? I'm not sure. I I think that's something that Brad's going to probably play with once he actually has the opportunity to make that decision. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know what's going to happen with Marcus Morris. Um, and and the, I think the probably the biggest thing tonight other than Baines playing well and Tice's rival is that, you know, I think you have options. You, you see, at least there might be one guy um, who can, who can make that push. Are there other guys? Can Yabaselli make that jump? Can, uh, um, you know, maybe Ojale? I, I think that's what I'm looking for as we kind of move to the pre preseason here. Is there another guy who at least early on, we think maybe Brad can go to and say, okay, you're that, the fourth big off the bench. And that's really what we're talking about. We're not really talking about a starting spot. I think you're right. Baines is going to be there simply because of this. But do you feel comfortable with your front court when Horford's sitting, when maybe Baines is sitting? And that's that was that was one thing we talked about a lot this summer is that I saw Baines and Horford really being as linchpins of whatever you're doing on the court defensively. And without with both of them starting you don't have either one of them available in that second unit when you're going, you know, all second unit. You can't play them all 48 minutes. So it's a, it's yeah, a, I think it's a Tice, difficult thing for Brad. Tice has solved a lot of that. And, you know, again, I don't think they're afraid to go a little bit smaller and longer anyway. So I don't think you always need that linchpin, especially with the second unit. Do you really need a big in this league in the second unit? I, I'm not 100% certain of that. I almost think, to your point about that whole Princeton-style offense and all the cutting, etc., I think they'd rather make use of that 
youth and athleticism and to your point also against the starters really only Batum abused them in the third quarter when those young players were out there with Terry Rozier at the helm so I, I'm not so sure that they're going to be that hard pressed to do it not that and I think Tice could probably satisfy that especially if the minutes are being managed properly it's not really that those two are in the starting lineup at the same time it's are both of them playing 30 plus minutes and do 25 20 to 25 of those minutes come together and I don't think that'll be the case at all they might start the game together but as soon as Brad starts to go into his rotations and his sub patterns I think they get spread out and spread apart quite a bit they might see you might see Baines in games where there are more traditional big in the matchup where he's out there with Horford more often. But I think Tice can do the job off the bench and then, sure, spot minutes from somebody like Yabu or smaller lineups, etc. The other point I want to go back to that you made in the first half of the show was just the point where they got almost to the state of overpassing. Six mm-hmm. players on this roster had three or more assists. And Jason Tatum led the way with five. What I also liked was most of the guys, and then you can look at the box score and see it, but to that extent of overpassing, nobody really played a one-dimensional game. I mean, there were some that just didn't play well, and we've talked about that. But for all the guys that were out on the floor that did a decent job, if you just look at the box score, look at how every player contributed in so many different ways. How many guys, like I'll give you an example. We got Jason Tatum, nine points. Five rebounds, five assists. You've got Gordon Hayward, five rebounds and, and five points, but Baines, ten, five, and three, Horford, seven, six, and four. Like you see guys that are really contributing across the board in three categories. That to me speaks volumes about how difficult they are going to be to guard and play against. Matchup wise, they're just an amalgamation of basketball. <laughs> an amalgamation of basketball. I feel like I'm talking to Bill. Did you like Walton. how that closed? It does. a Dickie V, yeah. right? Oh no, you're right. No, no, no. It's that was totally Bill Walton. Bill Walton. It's a big word. Yeah. Let's say, <laughs> right? I mean, when I was rolling with the Grateful Dead, it was an amalgamation of basketball and all of the greatness with what's happening with the Grateful Dead and musical scene of the times. That's Did I ever good. tell you about the time uh, Jerry Garcia and I hung out at the Springfield YMCA looking for the ghost of James Naismith? You never know. But you're right, amalgamation. That's definitely a Bill Walton word. I love it. I love amalgamation. Love it. It's a great, it's but, great. They, but they are because there's no, there's almost like no definition on this roster. It's, it's just basketball soup, dude. <laughs> I love it. That's, yeah. It's like, I'm just 18, throwing it at you tonight. You just gotta I go love it. it. It's great. You get 18 six foot eight guys and, and a couple guards and that's it. That's the team. Throw them out there. I mean, this is... It's not even ball handlers, uh, wings, and bigs. It's just amalgamous basketball. (laughs) An amalgamous soup of basketball. It's an amalgamous soup of basketball. Uh, This is Don Nelson's dream right here. It's just six, eight guys switching, switching, switching. Everybody can do everything. Antoine Walker. This was your team. Oh, thank you. Ugh. No, of course no. not. 
Not a, not an Antoine guy. But anyway, anyway. Yes, it, it is. It's, it's an amalgamation of all these different, uh, talents and skills. And, you know, some are shooters, some are passers, some are rebounders. I mean, but the, the, the other thing is, is the size, the size of these guys. I mean, there were some screens set by, by Yabaselli. I mean, my God. I mean, he's like a human brick wall. He goes and he just sets that screen and the guy just like, he just, there's just no move. There's no, Yabaselli does not move. The guy just hits him and that's it. Like it's over. It's done. He's yeah, he's a, a brick wall. He's definitely a brick wall. And by the way, this guy right here wants to say hi because he's he's a little, oh! he's a little upset that you just dissed him. He's like, come on, I right here, I'm an NBA superstar. You know, there you go. By looking at why you gotta be killing employee number eight, yeah. Patrick yeah. Gilroy is gonna flip a lid. Yeah, listen, Pat told me the story about how Antoine used to give him a hundred bucks to go out and get him get Big Macs for him before the game. We know what happened, all right? We saw those games. Employee number eight. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, you know, it's, you know. Anyway, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to save the Antoine hate for another, another show. Jesus. But anyway, anyway, look, tonight's game, let me, let me, let me, go, let's go into a couple of the things I want to talk about. Um, is, should we, are we disappointed with Jason Tatum? That was some of the some of the. I would have been if if he hadn't shown domination against the other bench, Mm -hmm. you know, B level players. He got his confidence back really quick, so it shows that he can bounce back. And the truth is, he's just going to need time against some of these NBA studs to really adjust. So yes, through three quarters, was I frustrated? Yeah, not frustrated, but disappointed. And and I thought, oh, he's got a lot more adjusting to do than I thought. But then the way he came on in the fourth quarter, and again, I understand, deeper in the bench, but that's really all he needs is he needs to get his confidence going. He needs to adjust. He had some nice steals. I mean, again, he's the player that really spread himself out all over the box score more than anybody else. Again, credit to garbage time. But it is his first game. It's his first real game against high-level, quality NBA players. And, you know, he's going to force that fadeaway along the baseline. He's going to force that several times. It's going to remind us, actually, of Kevin Garnett a little bit. Remember Kevin every once in a while would force that fadeaway? Tatum's got the same tendency. Um, and he won't, for quite some time, learn how to be more aggressive and power through that or get around it. But he did have some nice moves along the baseline. He's plenty shifty. He just needs to figure out that, yes, there are players that are a lot quicker than what he was used to in college basketball, and he's just going to have to figure out how to adjust. I bet by February, you know, those kinds of concerns will be gone. Again, to the point earlier, Jalen Brown just wasn't polished offensively, finishing all of that. He's obviously done a great amount of work in the offseason to pull some of that together. But Tatum comes into it with that. He just got to figure out what he can and can't get away with. There's just some moves in college that you can do that you can't do in the pros, and he'll figure that out. I think the thing with Tatum, I thought at least until the fourth quarter, probably, or maybe the early part, late part of the third, uh, when they started to try to set him up and call plays for him on the that kind of right side, you know, foul line extended or or somewhere in there, um, 
even baseline. I guess it's more baseline probably. But anyway, I felt like early on he was really pushing it, rushing his shots, aiming them, not shooting them, you know, kind of just, he was, he was, it was so much in his head, I thought. I thought a lot of the early the first half, he was not in it. He was really pressing and not playing ball. And then as once they kind once he hit that first kind of fadeaway, um, you know, kind of got that going, I thought then the rest of his game kind of clicked. And who knows if, if this is going to be something that we need to deal with, you know, all the time or, you know, he needs that to get going every game. Um, but I think at least for the first game, we need to cut the guy a break. I mean, he also was defended for good parts of the game by Michael Gade Gilchrist, who is a hell of a defender. I mean, the guy has worked on his shot, but if there's one thing he can do. He can lock a guy down. So this was, that was a tough matchup for him. You know, a guy long with some speed. Uh, he's not going to face that type of defender every night. So, you know, he, he needs to take advantage of the lineup second like, uh, unit. Minsky, he's, I, he's not going to be that. in the first unit. He's going to see more of those fourth quarter matchups than he did the third quarter matchups. That's just the way it's going to be for most of the season. Later on, maybe that changes. But for right now, I think most of the time, he's not going to run into, like you said, he's not going to run into a ton of those. And they're going to ease him into it. There's no rush. There's absolutely no rush. But again, I mean, he did win, what, the Celtics three-point contest, you know, amongst the team. Huge. Was on fire. The kid can shoot, dude. You can't. He can't. You're never going to keep a player off the floor who can shoot like that, who's as long as that, with long arms and a high release like that. He's going to find his way on the court. It's the reason I said, man, I'm not so sure that I would take, you know, well, if Fultz wasn't such a – Guaranteed number one overall. I'm kind of fallen in love with Tatum. That was last January, and here we are. And the thing that stood out to me was that high release. And so he's obviously got shooting confidence. Imagine what he'll be like when he puts on about 25 more pounds. Mm. The league better watch out. And it's coming. He's just a young kid. He, I mean, look at Brown. He was already strong, and he's even packed on more muscle for this season. Just wait till Tatum figures that out. And I think the other thing I liked about Tatum's effort tonight is that even when the shots weren't falling, he was trying to get involved. He's trying to do things, trying to hit the boards, try to, you know, block shots and help out. And he wasn't, you know, I think there was a sense early on, well, he's, this is one guy I was going back and forth with on Twitter. about. It's like, well, it's like Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay cared about his shots and that was it. That's all it was. Like, this is a kid in his first exhibition game. He's doing everything. He's trying to do everything. Shots not falling. He's trying to, to be a facilitator. He's trying to rebound. He's trying to block. He's trying to do what he needs to do to stay on the court. Um, I'll just say this to add to that. That's why. These young players on this roster, it's so key. You, yes, mm-hmm. some of the young players who have to carry the torch and do all of that on their teams do wind up advancing much more quickly. They develop their skills. They get rookie of the year. All of those things start to happen for them. But it's also the reason some of them never wind up winning a championship. This is such a perfect setting for players like Brown, like Tatum, who are younger, who are skilled, and do have a much more team-oriented attitude. They might lose that in the 
maturing process of the NBA on a on a bad team. And instead here it'll be continued to be fostered, it'll be continued to be developed and encouraged, and there'll be more complete players. This will be a scenario with great returns down line if they're not traded. Well and what Brad says is that, you know, in those situations you need to have um you know, you need to have players who who how they impact winning. You know, that's what he's measuring. Kyrie and, and Horford and Hayward, they're going to do what they do, and that largely impacts winning. But if you're not amongst those players, you need to show what you what you can do to impacts winning. And so a guy like Tatum, he needs to figure out with the group that he's on the floor with, what does he need to add, what does he need to provide that makes that unit successful. So they score more points than the other team does when he's in. And – I think largely it's going to be shooting the ball eventually, but maybe not right off the bat. Maybe well, players need to know what to do when they're having an off night. I mean, that's just – that's oh, yeah. part of maturity. And, again, to your point, he contributed in many different ways. He has the capability of contributing in many different mm-hmm. ways. And if you do other things – you can still get the call down the stretch, and because you feel like you're part of the team's success to that point, you're still just as likely to knock down that shot like it's your first. That's true. That's very true, and I think that that's the type of thing where, if you're if you're in that scenario as a as a player, you need to take take stock of your situation, and you know you need to be outside yourself. And I think that's what Brad's saying is that it's really hard for young guys to make that jump. Because they're used to being the man. Now you're not the man. <laughs> you got Kyrie Irving's over there. Gordon Hayward's sitting over there. Those guys are ahead of you on the pecking order no matter what you do. So you get a long way to go. They got eight, seven, eight years in the league to build up to that. You've been here five minutes. So do what you can add to this within this, this team structure, this amalgamation, uh, and, and then, uh, See what you can add to that that adds winning to the. To thank victory. you for adopting amalgamation soup. Try just you want got to, it. I just want to well, thank the you for that. The soup one, not sure about the soup. It's redundant. Uh, you know what I mean? But but yeah, it's soup. amalgamation soup. Come on. Just I like amalgamation. amalgamation. I'm just not like sure. Uh, I gotta think about it. Let's see if it grows on me. Okay. We okay. do the show next week. I'll let you know. All right. When we come back next week, John and I will decide if. The word soup belongs after the word amalgamation, or if we're just rolling solo, we'll try to come up with a new big three or nickname for this group. And maybe it's just too soon, John. Maybe it's just too soon. Too soon. Maybe we need to live through this season a little bit and, and let the pieces fall where they may. But not a lot of Gordon Hayward talk tonight. We're going to have a lot of games between this week and next week's show. You can be certain another player that was on my radar 18 months before he came along, Gordon Hayward is going to get showered with lots of praise from myself. But um, we didn't get to him too much tonight. We'll come back to that. We'll be back next week. I think that's going to wrap the show. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everyone for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review. Your feedback is extremely important to the show. And a quick reminder, today's show brought to you by FanDuel. They've got a great deal for all of you listeners, but most importantly, you would be supporting our show and the entire network. 
Network. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.